y'all. Welcome to Bible Bitches, the podcast, where we talk about biblical and religious topics from a feminist comedic perspective. Today, we're talking about Mary Magdalene, part two, true lies. <laughs> I'm sorry, did you just say part two? Yeah, I did. Like, uh, like Hot Shots part two? Yes. Cool. And if you're wondering who it is I'm talking to, that's a one Sarah Hoff, an awesome agnostic living here, yes, here in LA, California, where we're recording today. Yeah, I'd like to make some revisions. Um, we are talking, we're a Bible Bitches podcast where we talk about biblical and religious topics from um, a conservative Christian, very serious perspective. No. Yes. That's what, that's what, what is this, a Freaky Friday sitch? <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> Look, this is a Saturday, Sarah. <laughs> a serious Saturday. <laughs> um, I'm talking with Laura Barclay, who's a Baptist minister located in Louisville, Kentucky. And today, horses and bourbon, horses and bourbon. I've had a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) Laura is now cut off. Um, (laughs) Now Laura needs to switch just to wine instead of scotch. Um, Nope, I've switched back to scotch. (laughs) (laughs) And today we're doing part two on a series uh, about Mary Magdalene. Um, If you didn't listen to part one, then like, what the fuck are you doing here? Go listen to that and then come back. Thank you. I just want you to try to do your best life. Just yeah, just, just do it. Be your best self and um, do what we tell you to. Thank you. Right. Um, yes. And as we stated last time on part one, because seriously, go back and listen. Uh, Mary Magdalene was long falsely cast as a whore by the Christian Church through her biblical, though her biblical account shows she's actually a leader and an apostle and a loyal friend of Jesus. We noted that Roman thought uh, began to win out over Jewish thought in the Jesus movement, i.e. this kind of hierarchical, like, male over female, female over child, child over animal, like that kind of thing. That's Roman thought, right? Whereas Jewish thought is a little bit more fluid. Um, So this kind of thought about, you know, men being super over women, uh, that won out whenever... Uh, Israel lost their rebellion against the Roman Empire. Roman uh, forces conquered Israel, and then the church began to be centered in Rome. So then you've got a totally, you know, Romanized view of Christianity, and then Mary Magdalene, along with many other, like, amazing ideals that were part of the sort of Jerusalem-centered Christian church, were lost. Um So, yeah, so we noted that Roman thought in the previous podcast began to win out over Jewish thought in the Jesus movement, making a movement of and by uh, the oppressed, right, in Israel. It began to be a patriarchal institution that begins to exclude certain types of people. Yep. So as the church became more male, women disappeared from leadership. The church did this well by criticizing women's sexuality and equating them with sin and temptation. In focusing on Mary Magdalene's sexuality and the Virgin Mary's purity, marginalization of women became easier. Never mind that Mary Magdalene wasn't a prostitute and Mary, mother of Jesus, wasn't a perpetual virgin because, like, let's be honest, she had, like, six more kids. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I mean... And also, like, can we just, like, the dubiousness of her, you know... The conception of Jesus. Yeah. The um the godhood. Well, right. It's like we're Yeah. Like I think we talked about this a little bit in Mary Mother of Jesus, but like that episode at the end of season one, but yeah, I mean like it's it's up for debate. 
Yeah. And like no strong shame. debate. Like no, sh- no shame in like a little boning around. <laughs> it's a little boning around. Yeah. It's not a big deal. Anyway. It's fine. Yeah. It's fine. Just do it safely. Yes. Thank you. Safe sex. Wear condoms. Go to Planned Parenthood and get your condoms right now. Yeah. Okay. And <laughs> so all of this sort of, uh, you know, patriarchal, like, subjugating women thing in the church got worse in the 6th century with Pope Gregory, quote, unquote, the great, read, not great, who was one of the most famous popes. Uh, Pope Gregory the Great wrote multiple sermons on Mary Magdalene in the year 591, which totally solidified her position as a whore. And, like, just, like, why were you focusing on that as a sermon series, Pope Gregory? What is wrong with you? Yeah, that just sounds like his own, like, weird sexual fetish. Yeah. (laughs) He's just like, I'm going to do a sermon series on whores. (sighs) <laughs> Gross. Yeah. <laughs> um, Pope Gregory conflates Mary with the other unnamed women and focuses on her healing story, negatively stating she, whom Luke calls the sinful woman, whom John calls Mary, we believe to be Mary, from whom seven devils were ejected, according to Mark. And what did these seven devils signify, if not all the vices? So, okay, first of all, she's like, he's like, he's like, I don't know why he's referencing literally all of the, like, Gospels. He's like, Luke called her a sinful woman. John calls her Mary, but I'm going to say that in a way that makes her sound douchey. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, John calls her Mary whatever. <laughs> her actual name. But, but really, she's full of seven devils. Injected. Like, can you imagine being like, okay, I'm going to do... Like the whole concept, I mean we did we did an episode on exorcism, but like the whole concept of injecting Yeah, so she should be like super pure. Right? If you're ejecting devils from yeah. somebody, then wow. Yeah. You jettison that bitch and like Yeah, now you're just She's like, good. Yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah, now she's super pure. But no, not according to him. He's no. like, she's just constantly bad. So Pope Gregory goes on and <laughs> this he just horrid. had he just had like a really mean mother. right let's be honest so pope gregory goes on in his horrid sermon series to say quote it is clear brothers that the women previously used the unguent to perform her flesh and forbidden acts what she therefore displayed more scandalously she was now offering to god in a more praiseworthy manner she had coveted with earthly eyes, but now, through penitence, these are consumed with tears. She displayed her hair to set off her face, but now her hair dries her tears. She had spoken proud things with her mouth, but in kissing the Lord's feet, she now planted her mouth on the Redeemer's feet. For every delight, therefore, she had had in herself, she now immolated herself. She turned the mass of her crimes to virtues in order to serve God entirely in penance. End quote. Ugh. What is the deal with this assumption that hair can soak up moisture? <laughs> yeah, like, why, why is it that, like, I have never, how could you draw, like, I've, I've tried to um, dry off your own body with your hair. Dry off my own body, yeah, <laughs> with my hair. And uh, as it How turns out, go? it just spreads the moisture around. <laughs> That's all it does. You know, I know hair gets wet, but it doesn't. It's not how it goes. This whole idea of like women, you know, 
washing feet and then drying them with their hair. Like, what the fuck is wrong with your hair? <laughs> what is happening? It's thirsty. It's it's just dry and brittle. Yeah. Gross. Like, I, that's that's whenever I go to the salon and I'm like, I need you to put some keratin in my hair. <laughs> Help me. Just, Help me. I just put Pantene Pro-V, which I'm pretty sure is basically just wax. Yeah, you're just waxing your hair. It's just <laughs> yeah. layers of wax. Yeah. It's fine. It's fine. I just have a plate of hair. Yes. <laughs> Good. Okay. So, in short... Pope Gregory turns Mary Magdalene into the passive figure who needed to bow before Christ in order to be made humble and pay for her sexual sin. Never mind that seven demons already cast out. Right. Just, yeah. No, it's totally fine. Just seven demons ejected from her body. (laughs) Violently ejected. (laughs) I want to know what it looks like to have a demon ejected from you. Is it like... Okay, as a sci-fi fan, uh-huh. I imagine that it's like putting something in an airlock of a spaceship. <laughs> it's just like ejecting it out and it freezes midair in space. Is there something tangible that leaves the body? Well, if you're watching horror films, it would be some like dark, like... It would be like a mist. It like a like dark a mist that's like... <laughs> yeah. That's just science. David. What was it like when you had seven demons ejected from you? Um, well, six of them were, were it was it was cool, but that seventh one really fucking hurt. <laughs> it's always the seventh. Yeah. That's yeah. David, our our producer. We're just we're, calling him that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> David, David knows a lot about demon um, possession and ejection. I do. Yes. That's why we hired him. Last episode, he was Mary Magdalene. Now he's all about demon exorcism Mm -hmm, and ejection mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. he's the resident expert right yeah he just (laughs) what you do is you just drink a load of holy water yeah and then pee it out and then just pee it out (laughs) just with the demons (laughs) it burns burns real bad it's like it's like uh what what are those little what are those uh kidney stones yes like trying to (laughs) you're just you're just in a public bathroom screaming like (laughs) that's no good you don't want that that's why we drink cranberry juice I thought that was just for UTIs. Yeah, also known as demons. Oh, my bad. That's yes. my bad. Science, Sarah. Cool. cool. Okay. So this whole passive figure who has to like be penitent and bow before Christ in order to be humble and pay for her sexual sin, that totally flips the image of the original Mary Magdalene, right? She's not bowing and brought low, but an apostle and loyal friend to Jesus. She's initially a relatable character, but made into someone I don't want to relate to in their narrative, losing my voice and being subservient. Yeah, and so this subservient Mary Magdalene continues on as time goes by, and James Carroll says in his Smithsonian article, Who Was Mary Magdalene? Eventually, Magdalene, as a denuded object of Renaissance and Baroque painterly preoccupation, became a figure of nothing less than holy pornography, guaranteeing the ever-lustful harlot, if lustful now for the ecstasy of holiness, a permanent place in the Catholic imagination. Ooh. Yeah, and so... Sarah, like- also known as the ever-lustful harlot. <laughs> <laughs> I am only also, lustful. Also going on your Tinder profile. <laughs> <laughs> My gender profile just says, lustful now for the ecstasy of holiness. Yes! 
people are like, super like, super like. <laughs> I'm like, why am I not getting any dates? And people are like, nobody needs the ecstasy of holiness. Nobody wants to know what that's about. <laughs> Your face, like, <laughs> things that you like. Uh, it's Madonna's like a prayer. That's the only thing you like. <laughs> That is accurate. Yeah, it's true. It's, uh, yeah. I just wear, like, a ton of rosary beads <laughs> and, like, I don't know. Um, a nun's bralettes? habit. Is that what she wore? Yeah, that's, yeah. Rosary but like, beads. But and... also, like, a nun's habit. Yeah, 100%. That's yeah. all it. Just that's... the, just the, just, like, the, but the top part. Yeah. And, like, a lace bodice. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. It's fine. Yeah. It's 1986. It's fine. Yeah, that was, that's cool. It's still cool now. It's fine. It's fine. So I found a really cool article called Mary Magdalene and the Politics of Public Memory, Interrogating the Da Vinci Code by Tammy M. Kennedy from the journal called Feminist Formations. Okay. This was published in 2012, like years after the Da Vinci Code came out, which I love that. We're just still, we're just still talking about it. We're, we'll, we'll, we'll delve into the Da Vinci Code a little bit in a second. And she talks about the power of collective memory and how the needs and interests of a particular community dictate narrative frameworks that structure memory making into the collective memories that define that community, such as the church. So in my view, the church co-opted the needs of the community that needed her voice and forged a false narrative that became part of the collective memory of the church and we are only just now beginning to dig out from. So they needed to, in order to forge this collective, forge her into whatever they wanted to tell the story they needed to tell. And the Da Vinci Code for it, you know, here's the thing, y'all. The Da Vinci Code, if you've read it, it's, 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 it's just fun. Like, just read it for fun. There's no facts. He, had, he tried to kind of play it off as being factual. There's, like, four sources total in that whole book, and they're all real sketchy. Um, so, like, was Mary Magdalene Jesus's consort? And, like, is there a bloodline and a secret society? No. No, there isn't. But is it, like, a whole fuck ton of fun? Yes. It's, it's a blast. I'm sorry. Are you advocating for the Da Vinci Code right now? <laughs> At, only as, like, beach reading. That's uh-huh. it. Everybody likes a shitty beach read, right? Sure. And I think the Da Vinci Code, if you like, you know, kind of the whole concept of, like, a religious conspiracy that isn't actual, like, isn't actually factual, then it's delightful beach reading, right? But more than that, it is not. And so I think that's the problem, right, is that we went from being like Mary, Mary Magdalene is a whore to, no, Mary Magdalene was the consort of Jesus. What if she's neither, y'all? What if she is just a loyal supporter of Jesus who was like his bestie and was really like one of the most like highly respected apostles? Well, okay, so we don't really have a lot of information Mm-mm. on her. And so this idea of, like, forging a false narrative is kind of true across the board, in my opinion. So, like, you know, the argument there is that, like, the church co-opted the needs of the community um, and, like, molded her narrative into that which would fit their needs. And that's still continuing on today. And that's, like, what churches just kind of do, you know? Yeah. In order to... um, in order to, like, be effective in their community, they have to be, like, culturally relevant. And so they reframe these these biblical texts to 
make sense in their community. And so it's kind of like, well, yeah, I mean, this is a myth. Like, we're creating a myth about somebody just, like, just speculating wildly on her personhood. But all we really know is that she was there. Right, she was there, she was a loyal friend, and she was born, and Magdala. Yeah. Like, that's that's, like that's what we know. we know. Right, and I, total, I totally agree with that, Sarah, but I think that... Um, the, I, I tend to think that, so as a therapist, right, um, some of what I like to think about is narrative therapy. And in narrative therapy, like, let's say, you know, you have been through a trauma, right? And you might think of yourself as a victim. But what if we recast your narrative as a survivor, right? You survived a whole lot of shit. And you get to a better place where you can love yourself and be happy and live into your truth. So I guess my question would be, if you if you need Mary Magdalene to be a whore, why? If you need Mary Magdalene to be a consort of Jesus, why? If you need Mary Magdalene to be a uh, hero, why? And I personally like the idea of Mary Magdalene as hero because I do think that um, Tammy Kennedy is right about the whole concept of myths and stories knitting together humans, like, and in, in, into community. And I like the idea that we can cast different people as heroes. And there seems to be at least a quasi-basis for that with her, that in multiple narratives, she's consistently there, and she's consistently there before and after Jesus dies. Mm-hmm. So I think, to me, the only thing I can glean from her is that she's present. She's present, even when things are tough. Yeah. And so that's, that seems to be something factual that we can at least glean. If you're, if you're going to say that, because if you're going to say that, okay, like there might be some factual basis to these, what we know is she was present. And sometimes a ministry of presence is very brave. Right. And so, like, why isn't that the narrative? Like, that's what Agreed. we know about her. And that's that in of itself is powerful. Like, the act of showing up, I think, is more powerful now than ever because so much, so much is lost in that kind of social media retweeting or whatever um, that the, the actual showing up mm-hmm. is totally lost. For sure. Like, you know, in terms of and in terms of, you know, our current context, like you said, like in the Trump era, whenever we see, you know, immigrants and people of color in and women in positions where their rights are being stripped or taken away or they're subjected to violence. I think the act of showing up and putting your body in nonviolent resistance is so important. And so if we're going to if we're going to talk about her as a saint, if we're going to talk about her in any sort of narrative elevated way, shit, like presence, that's what matters. Like, that's what I look to her for. Yeah. So like, why do we need a myth around her? I don't know that we do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Mm. David showed up. David showed up. David's here. David's here. Just like if you listen to last episode, David (laughs) is Mary Magdalene. Yes. David is perpetually the Mary Magdalene Mm -hmm, here. mm -hmm. David showed up. David uh, used his hair earlier to wash my feet. 
<laughs> Fact. It's very Brillo Patty. Fact. Yes. <laughs> just kidding. Just <laughs> he's just like try, he's just like trying to give you like a pedicure. And I'm like, oh. You're like, I'm so sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey yo. <laughs> um, so yeah, like I so I guess, you know, I, I always like to leave leave our listeners with a question. And so my question would be, how can you be present? How can you show up in whatever way that looks like? Or do you need somebody to show up for you? Do you need somebody to be present for you? And who is that? Who is your Mary Magdalene? And who can you be the Mary Magdalene to? Mm. I'm sorry. Did you you just just do the powerful, mm, Mm. powerful? To yourself. Right? Like, who, like, but, but seriously, right? Like, no, it's good. It's good. It's good. Who do, who do, like, right? Like, who do, who do we need to be present for? Like, there's a lot going on. Like, as we talk about this, there's been ice raids. Yeah. Right? Around the country. Like, I think about that. And I think about some of the communities where people have, like, literally surrounded certain places and yeah. kept that from happening. Like, bodies in places is super important right now. Yeah. And, you know, like, I think there's importance in the act of like showing up, but not overtaking. Like you need to be yes. there to support rather yes. than there to be like, "Hey, I am here." A hundred percent. Like I like consistently, I hear like if especially if you're and and that's specifically to like white people, right? Like, yeah. If you if you're a white, if you're a person of privilege, like just listen where where you know if somebody somebody's like look it means a lot for you to show up to this like black lives matter or to this you know um ice protest and just just put your body here yeah then do that like yeah. just do that and listen and listen to the pain and listen to the hurt yeah um and don't and, don't feel like you need to speak yeah and it's uncomfortable i mean like mm-hmm. you're you, going to be uncomfortable yeah it's uncomfortable you're probably going to want to feel like doing something yeah but it's really about just sort of like being yeah just being being like listening and being there yeah and feel free to process that like as a therapist feel free to process that with a therapist um or a friend or whatever after or i'm gonna process that with more booze that is that is an example of a coping mechanism (laughs) that can be unhealthy (laughs) <laughs> very, very unhealthy don't recommend it that i'm do currently that. doing yeah um but anyway y'all how can you show up for each other it's it's all about being there for each other in the resistance and also being joyful because don't let them sap your joy um just gonna say that right like yeah don't do, yeah don't let the don't let assholes make you depressed like don't let them take or your if joy. you do like you know channel that depression into some anger yeah, and take care of yourself. Yeah. Righteous anger. Righteous anger. Righteous anger. Love. Much love to y'all. Just love. You're a Rastafarian. Now. I am right now. <laughs> Just love. Uh, all right, y'all. Yes. Um, Thank you so much for listening. Yes. You can always find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Stitcher. And you can uh, tell us how you resist, how you show up for people um, on uh, at Bible Bitches on Twitter, on our Bible Bitches fan page. Um, and also super thanks to engagedgaze.com, G-A-Z-E, right? They host us. They're amazing, right, Sarah? They're great. We love them. And um, huge shout out to Aaron at Aaron Doodles, who does our artwork. You know, we love him very much. And um, we love the stuff that he makes for us. And, of course, uh, Yo Eves, uh, Miss Eves, and she's Yo Eves on Twitter. 
And she does her intro and outro music, and she's fucking badass. And she just came out with a new single, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's great. It's so good. Um, and so thank you guys for listening. We love you. Love. Bye. Bye.